I took a break because I had midterms last week and this week, and aside from a couple essays that I have to write, I'm done. I am in a math class this semester. Math has never really been my best subject, (laughs) but I did pass, so, you know, that's all we can ask for. It's all we can hope for. I'm just glad that I am passing. Anyway, the rest of my midterms have been fun. I actually really enjoy, like, essay exams that are take home and you just write a bunch of essays. (laughs) It's my favorite thing to do, so I've been having a good time, but it also takes a lot of brain power, so yeah. In between that, I've been pretty much just playing games with my sister, so hopefully we should be back to our regular schedule now. So I'm just gonna hop right into what this podcast is gonna be about. I'm kind of gonna give a little update about the whole situation at BYU because I feel like it's sort of necessary for me to talk about it. Things were looking a little bit more hopeful for students and then all of that was kind of just ripped away by leadership and it's heartbreaking. The I mean, my heart goes out to them. I cannot imagine being in their situation. Attending a school where I'm not allowed to publicly express love for my partner. Or privately, you know, like even even private relationships that aren't on display or whatever can be problematic. I mean, I can imagine what it would be like, but I can't You know, I've never had to experience that before, so although I do understand what it's like to repress your identity, it's just heartbreaking for me that these are actual adults who are unable to be themselves at a time where that should be encouraged. You know what I mean? I think that's a completely different kind of pain that nobody should ever have to go through. I don't think that any of us expect anything more from BYU or the leaders of the church. We've come to expect very little, and I'm going to say that the gross majority of us expect nothing. But what we've received in terms of public policies, hateful messages, and political incorrectness is monstrous. We expect nothing, and still what they give us is worse. Despite all of this, um, hateful rhetoric and this heartbreaking ignorance, we are expected to stay silent. The issue here is you cannot separate doctrine from any other form of homophobia. Just as racism is still racism, regardless of whether or not that person expressing those beliefs is Christian, homophobia is still homophobia, whether it's written in your doctrine or not. Because there are billions of individual sentient human beings who do not believe the same exact thing as any other being. You cannot claim that your version of hate is ordained by your God and get away with it based on that alone. Every single belief you have is changeable. Some beliefs shouldn't be changed, but they all can be. The way you believe is your choice. The things that happen to you which can shape your beliefs are not your choice. But it is your choice how they affect your belief system. BYU is making a choice to believe the way they do. Just as it was a choice for the religious leaders of the past to adhere to racist beliefs which told them the cursed or marked people were those with darker skin tones. Current leaders are choosing despite all facts 
that prove it is harmful to maintain homophobic and transphobic policies. And this whole situation has led me to wonder what will happen to those students who publicly express their love for each other. Because now, there are a plethora of LGBT students who have outed themselves to their peers. What happens to them? I think what it comes down to is that we don't want to change beliefs or policies because we do not want to become one with the other. And I don't think that this is something that we recognize without someone making us aware of it. The problem in this situation is that BYU and the leaders of the church have been made aware of it. They're not ignorant to the pain of the LGBT community. They're not ignorant to public opinion, to the facts, to the research that's been done. They're not ignorant to that. They are choosing, despite all of the facts that they have learned and that they understand, to be homophobic and to oppress their students. It cannot be excused. It can't be explained away by doctrine because the church leadership has a long history of studying the facts and changing its policies to fit public opinion. This is something that it's been doing since its founding, and it is something that it should do. And so it's very confusing and disgusting that this same courtesy is not offered to the LGBT community. What do the leaders of the church define as a human being? Do they define a human being as somebody who is imperfect, who has a soul, who deserves love, who is worthy of their God's love, who is worthy of minimal suffering? Or is there another kind of message there that we're missing? Because from my understanding, LGBT people are still human beings by any definition that the church could give. This isn't about fulfilling any kind of heavenly duty because infertile women are still allowed in the church. Infertile men are still allowed in the church. Unmarried, single adults are still allowed in the church. And not only are they allowed in the church, but they can receive callings regardless of their relationship status. They operate as normal members of the church, right? So it couldn't be the ability or the inability to have biological children with their partners. So to claim that LGBT people are different from any other form of what the church has called sinners in the past because they can't fulfill their duties in the family of proclamation to the world is inaccurate. Obviously, I'm not saying that the church has ever called infertile people sinners. That's not, I'm not comparing those two things. I'm saying that the church has called LGBT people sinners, right? And the only reason they're breaking the law of chastity, if in fact they do end up getting married, is because marriage is between a man and a woman, because the family proclamation to the world, among other church doctrine, says that it is a man and a woman that creates a family, and that's their duty. So, hopefully that's clarifying, because I do recognize that that maybe sounded like I was saying that the church has called infertile people sinners. Not what I'm saying whatsoever. I'm simply making the comparison that, you know, black people weren't allowed in church, and then public opinion changed that. 
And so I'm attempting to go through all of the reasoning that the church leaders have given to defend their homophobic doctrine. And really, that's it. That's the defense. And the defense has been broken (laughs) from my perspective because infertile people are still allowed to get married. They're still allowed to have sex. They're still allowed in the church and they are not breaking the law of chastity. So, you know... I feel like there's a flaw in the system here and hopefully you can recognize that too because it's pretty obvious. They're not hiding their ignorance. It's it's right there staring us in the face and it's very easy to identify. So hopefully you follow my logic there because if you don't, you know, I'm not entirely sure how to explain it in a simpler way or maybe in a different way that would cause you to understand. At the very least, I want this opinion of mine and this justification for that opinion to lead you to do your own research into the policies and all of that stuff so that you can form your own opinion because that's what this is all about. I'm not here to tell you that something is wrong and force you to accept that as truth. Uh, That's up to you. That's not my objective. I can't make you believe anything. So, at the end of the day, you're gonna believe what you're gonna believe. That's not up to me. It's up to you. Hopefully, this has just given you some insight that you didn't have before. That's my goal, just to look at this from the point of view of somebody who is not clouded by the religion itself. Because if you look at the logical side of all of this, which is what I've expressed just now, It can't be enough that LGBT people can't have biological children with their partners because that's not justification for discriminating against any straight couple that can't have children. You see where the logic is flawed? Like, it's just confusing. Well, it's not confusing. It's obviously wrong. And can I just point out that the majority of people who are talking about this whole situation with the handbook are ignoring the fact that nothing has changed in regard to trans students. Like, that doesn't seem to be a part of our conversation when it very much should be. Regardless of whether or not you choose to believe it, uh, there are trans students at BYU. There are trans members of the church. More than you know. And I'm going to assume that the majority of them are not out. They are not making a transition. They have not changed their names, their pronouns. They're just suffering in silence. And maybe that was the whole point. Let's make a big deal out of the whole gay thing so that nobody focuses on the fact that we have solidified our transphobic beliefs. I would hate for that to be true. You know, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but the whole publicity of this has taken away from the publicity of the changes to the general handbook that are extremely problematic and have caused people a world of pain. And I know that our LGBT activism has consistently left off the T. We've consistently had an activism here in Utah specifically that has kept trans people out of the bigger picture. And it's obviously not in every organization or anything like that, but it is commonplace when we're discussing the queer community to leave trans people out of it, when they very much should be probably the main focus of our activism to begin with. Trans people definitely have a 
larger battle ahead of them. And it's not that the oppression that the community faces can be separated into two different sections, and it's not that they should be compared, or that gay suffering is less than trans suffering, or that it's less meaningful or less important. It's simply that by ignoring the trans community, we're sending a message that I don't think we want to send, and so we need to focus on that. Um, We need to intentionally focus on that. It's a choice that we have to make. We didn't expect BYU to really hold true to the changes in the honor code. We didn't expect that. But we're allowing ourselves to take this hit and forget that trans people are still there and nothing has really been said about their status as students at BYU because the church leadership would rather make it seem as though trans people don't exist in the first place, which was made very obvious by their recent changes to the handbook that I discussed two podcasts ago, whenever I did. They want us to forget that trans people have a longer and larger fight ahead of them than we do. It's not that the discrimination itself is any better or worse. It's simply that it's different and the policies are different and we're ignoring it. We shouldn't be ignoring it. Attention should be drawn to everybody within the community, not just gay people. You know what I'm saying? Not just those who are members strictly because of their sexual preferences. Gender identity makes up a huge part of it as well. And that ignorance shouldn't be ignored just because something has happened publicly that has drawn LGBT people into the limelight. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be worried about it and that we shouldn't be protesting it. I'm just saying we need to include trans people in that fight as well. We can't forget them. It's extremely important that you, in some way, openly express to gay people and to trans individuals in your life that you are in full support of them. If that is something that you believe, you need to tell them. Because if you are not openly supporting the LGBT community, it can be safely assumed that you are homophobic or transphobic. And if that's not the kind of attitude that you want people to be receiving from you, you need to make it known that that's not who you are. Staying silent on this issue is the same thing as being loudly for discrimination. It's the same thing. The only thing you're accomplishing is showing people that you don't support them, and that you don't love them, and that you don't respect them, and that you don't believe that they belong in your church, or in your neighborhood, or in your life. And that's something that you need to work on, not us. If you're sitting there and you're not saying anything to those people that you know are suffering, some part of their suffering is on you. It's on you. Obviously, you don't control how other people feel. And you shouldn't be sitting there feeling guilty or like the policies are your fault or that there is something larger 
that you could do to change it because really there isn't. I can't think of anything that would really cause the church leaders to change their opinions and change the policies because many things have been tried and all of them have failed. I'm just saying that you need to recognize that that person is hurting and do something about it because you have the power to. You're not ignorant to their suffering at this point. You're not unaware that they're hurting. You're not unaware that they're being discriminated against. So it's time to say something, it's time to do something, it's time to show them you support them, and it's time to express love more than anything else. It's time to show them that they're safe with you and that they're safe in your space. That's what this is about. You can't change the policies of the church by yourself. You can join organizations that are working to change the policies. You can lead organizations that are working to change the policies. You can write letters. You can choose to leave the church. You can encourage others to leave the church. You can do whatever. I mean, there are many steps that you can take to fight for change. But at the end of the day, the most important step you can take is to show those gay people that you understand that they are real, that they exist, that their pain is valid, and more importantly, that they are valid. When I start talking about the church in general terms, people tend to get offended because they want everyone to know that they don't believe that way without openly expressing that they don't believe that way. And that's just simply not how it works. Like, you have to make us aware that you are different because from our perspective, this is the policies that the church leaders are coming up with. And if you're silent on it, if you're silent on the issue, how are we supposed to know that you don't agree? I mean, if you're trying to separate yourself from the leaders of the church and from specific parts of the doctrine of the church, you have to make it known this is what you believe. Otherwise, it's going to be assumed that it's not. Otherwise, it's going to be assumed that you think what the leaders are doing and what has happened at BYU is right. You can't get offended if you've never done anything to show anybody in your life that you support them and that you don't follow the same beliefs as the leaders of your church. For all of the LGBT students at BYU, or all LGBT members of the church, or any LGBT person that is affected by these policies. I do not expect you to do anything but mourn. Mourn the loss of the basic amount of freedom you have lost. Hurt for a while, and then rise up and face your battle once again. The fight is not over. There are people out there fighting for you. You have the ability to fight for yourself, and it's nowhere near time to give up. So feel that pain, feel that hurt, express it, love yourself through it, and come back to fight. I know that there were protests held and I find that absolutely amazing. That warms my soul to know that there are so many people out there still fighting. And it breaks my heart to know that some people are thinking about giving up. And I just want all of you to take a moment and think about the end result. Think about the bigger picture. At the end of your life, where do you want to be? Do you want to be the person who regrets not standing up for what they believe in? Or do you want to be the one who contributed to change and who fought 
to build the future you're going to have. That's just something to think about. I don't expect you to fight the leadership or the honor code or anything like that. You are not required to protest. You're not required to do anything except exist. That's literally all you have to do. While this might have made that more difficult, I believe in you and I know of hundreds of other people who also believe in you and who are here for you who would be heartbroken if you decided to go back in the closet and hide and suffer. This is not the end. No matter what it feels like, it's not an ending. Sometimes the hardships feel like an ending, but I can assure you that it is definitely not. You are stronger than this, and if you look into your future, and if you focus on the things that you want to have, you will find something to hold on to. So take a step back, breathe, feel the pain, and start working for it.